Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Colin Scott, who during his near-death experience encountered his deceased brother, and today we're going to learn about it. Colin, thank you so much for being on our show, and welcome. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show. All right, Colin, if you don't mind, let's just start on the day that your NDE happened and go from there. The day started, um, I, I traveled to um, Melbourne in Victoria from New, from Sydney, New South Wales on a motorcycle to play in an ice hockey tournament. And after the tournament, I stayed with my sister. And that morning, I, on the morning of the 10th of October, 84, I, um, I left my sister's place. And um, I was having a nice leisurely ride. I thought I'll take this ride nice and casual, have a nice ride home. And um, part of the way along, I got overtaken by a whole bunch of motorbikes. And I thought, oh, will I catch up with them and join in? And I thought, no, I'll just enjoy the ride. Luckily, on the next bend, I saw them all pulled over by the police and it wasn't me. I wasn't part of it. And that was the last thing I remembered. And um, the next thing I recalled was um, there was nothing. Um, I was in a I was in a place that was um, felt like it was space. It was like a vacuum. There was I couldn't see any sky. I couldn't see any ground below me, and there was no light. But it wasn't dark at the same time. It was just a void. And I felt like I was walking on air type thing. So I didn't know what was going on. So I'm looking around thinking, what's happening? And I saw a figure in the distance. And I thought, okay, I'll approach this figure and see what, see if, I, if they can help me. And, and as I walked towards them, um, which I couldn't have done in the real world because at that point in time I was laid up in hospital. But um, I walked towards this figure and um as i got closer i realized that the person was my brother and my brother had died eight years earlier he'd been um in a car that he'd been asleep in a car that um had a head-on collision um when he was 21 so um he passed eight years earlier when i was 13 so I've seen Raymond and I've gone, Ray, I'm, and I started, Ray, Ray, what are you doing here? And I'm yelling, I'm swearing, I'm saying, what the hell, what the F, you know, why did you leave me? And I'm yelling as, as and I kept yelling as loud as I could because no matter how loud I yelled, there was no sound. But I could hear this, I could hear myself yelling in my head, but there was no sound coming from my lips whatsoever. Same as everything else, there was there was no sound in this vacuum type place, and um, 
I got closer and I could never get to him. I could never reach him as such. And, um, but I, and I could see him side on and he turned to look at me, he turned towards me. And I'm raving, raving, raving. And I'm screaming and carrying on. Why, 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 why are you here? Why, why are we here? Where are we going? And um, this went on and, and uh, I just went, where can we go? Come on, I'm ready. And as I reached out to get him and I couldn't, like I said, I could never reach him. He looked at me pretty much one last time and just shook his head, raised his hand a little, turned away and disappeared. Virtually just went into the darkness or, or the or the empty space and, and there was and I was saying, Raymond, what, what, what's going on? Where are you going? And then and then there was nothing for a second. And then I heard beep, beep, beep. And I didn't tell anyone this story for probably three years. And I got to a point where I sat down and I started writing about my experience because that was part of my therapy was to 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 try and write about it. Um, and uh, when I sat down, I thought about it and I said to my sister, I said, Michelle, I said, I had this really strange dream I, because when I was in the coma, I could hear things going on later on after this event. I could hear things happening in the hospital around me, but I couldn't act on anything because I was I was comatose. Um, so when they tell you to speak to people in a coma, they can hear you. So um, that's what that was my experience anyway. So I said to my sister, I, I don't understand. I, I, I was dreaming. I said it must have been drugs, but I saw Raymond. And then I told her the whole story I've just told you, and she said, "Oh, that would be when you died." I said, what do you mean when I died? And she said, oh, we didn't tell you, but you died on the table and you were gone for minutes. Wasn't wasn't long. It was minutes. Um, but it might not have even been minutes. It was everything to Michelle seemed blown out of proportion because you know she was right there for me, my sister. So she said it was only a minute or two or something. And um and they brought me back, but it was on the table. It was soon after they moved me from from the country where from the country town where where, where the accident occurred in central uh, northern Victoria. Um, they flew me back down to uh, Melbourne, and it was soon after that on the table that um, it occurred. So that's basically what happened. Is um, short and sweet, and uh, yeah, I. I that's when I saw my brother and um, I didn't realize for, for, for a couple of years because I didn't even know that I died. Did you ever find out what actually happened in your accident? Did anybody ever tell you like you crashed into a wall or a car or what? Uh, yes. Um, what occurred was when we approached um, this country town called Wangaratta on the northern Victoria I was the highway in those days. It's a, it's multi-lane now. The highway in those those days was almost a country road. It was one lane either way, with a drop off to gravel. So um, apparently, I was sitting behind a truck, just coasting behind the truck, 
and um, the truck, for some reason, unknown to me at the time, I, I don't remember any of the accident, for some reason, moved across from in front of me off the side of the road. And when he did that, a car travelling in the opposite direction towards me was towing a trailer full of um, all their all their household goods and children's play equipment in the trailer. And the driver had been going too fast or hit something and the reason the truck got off the side of the road was because that trailer was swaying. At the very moment the truck got off the road, that trailer completely jackknifed across my lane and hit me head on. Mm. So it just smashed me and uh, broke everything virtually on the right-hand side of my body, ripped my arm almost completely off. It was just hanging on by skin, literally. Um and, uh, yeah, that was the end of that. Um, they never found my helmet. They said it was disintegrated in the accident, um, probably because I hit the road at considerable speed. When you, when you think that the alleged speeds were both doing 80 kilometres or 50 mile an hour, both of us, I believe he was going faster personally, but it doesn't matter, so, which means essentially 160 kilometres or 100 mile an hour impact. Um, so that's what occurred. So the trauma to my head, because I, I obviously went straight down on the ground and sm- my head smashed, my helmet smashed to pieces. Um, I had bruising, severe bruising all down the right-hand side of my brain, which started to swell and immediately put me into a coma. Um, and that was what, that's how the accident occurred, was someone lost control of a trailer it jackknifed and at speed and hit me directly head on and just smashed the whole right hand side of my body. Everything, everything, legs, feet, arms, hands, everything was smashed. Did your brother appear like he did at the time he passed or did he appear at different age? He looked like the last time I'd seen him. So at the, at the time that he passed at 21, um he uh the image of him I saw was him at that age. Do you think your brother was just trying to tell you it's not your time? I believe so, and that's exactly what my sister said to me. She said it obviously wasn't your time, and Raymond was there to let you know that because I was begging him because I hadn't seen him for eight years or so, and I was begging him to take me with him. And saying, come on, please, don't you dare leave me. And I, I wasn't saying it that politely either. I was getting really angry that he, that he, was, that he was not speaking. Because he, he didn't say a word the whole time. Mm. Just looked at me and just, no, nah, like, just like that. And, and gently raised his hand and, like I said, turned. And I'm like, I could never reach him. And, I, and he just sort of faded away. It was amazing. Yeah, so it was um, it's a bit disappointing, but the alternative was I wouldn't be here now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Has that experience faded over the years, or is it still as real today as the day that you first oh, oh, remembered it's, it? It's, it's, it's vivid. If I shut my eyes and think about it, I can see it exactly. 
I can it it it, it um no it hasn't it hasn't faded at all. I, I can I that that experience meeting Raymond or you know seeing him that day was it's well I can I can see it in my head now. So you know I can see his face, I can see his hair. He had um thick dark curly hair, a lot more than me. <laughs> um yeah, so uh yeah, no, it's 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 vivid in my mind. Yeah, I haven't forgotten it at all. How do you think that experience changed you, if it did in any way? Um, it made me, in time, I mean, it was a long road home because when I finally came out of the coma um, and basically the right-hand side of my body was broken, and the left-hand side of my body was paralysed. And I'm like, you know, I had to learn to write. I used to be right-handed. I'm now ambidextrous. I use all my hands. Um, so um, I had to learn how to do everything left-handed, which is hard enough as it is. But after you've had a stroke, it's even harder. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me chuckle when I see movies of people who've been in a coma for six years, leap out of bed and start doing martial arts. Because it's just, it's just, it's just so ridiculous. It's you know, it's crazy. Because four weeks, and I, when I had the accident, I was ninety four kilograms and eleven percent body fat. I had a medical, so I was extremely fit. By the time I after the after the um, coming out of the coma, I was seventy two kilos. I'd lost close to 20 kilos in weight because I was just lying there and, and I was frail as anything. So, so yeah, it's, um, you, you don't leap out of bed after you've been unconscious, even for a day, <laughs> let alone a week or a month or a year. So, yeah, but my, but from that, from that day forward, I thought, well, life is obviously too short. You know, you, you, it could happen at any time. I mean, 10 years later, I had another accident, which almost took me there again. I didn't have any another NDE, but it was a serious accident where someone ran me off the road. Um, and um, But this time, injuries were more internal with punctured lungs and failed kidneys and broken legs and things like that. So it was a bit different. It was, a, it was slightly different, but it was equivalent amount of time in both instances when you include hospital and rehab I spent close to 18 months in hospital so I've spent three years of my life in hospitals and rehab which sounds like an awfully long time but I'm now 59 so it's only a it's only a little snippet and uh, the things that occurred during those times the people you meet um and and uh the things that you learn about yourself they're amazing and uh you 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 learn to have a better appreciation of life and know that you just got to enjoy life as much as you can you know so um which can be hard at times i mean you know ongoing things are like chronic pain i have from the from the um amputation well not the amputation but the the, the loss of my arms i think because all the nerves are ripped out of my spine, so there's severe nerve damage um, on my spine. So, but I, I, after that, 
I married my girlfriend. We've had three kids. Now I've got six grandkids. Mm. And we're steaming along in a beautiful country town in Western Australia. That's great. Did you notice that after you recovered, after your your NDE, that you had some psychic-like abilities that you never had prior? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't believe. Um, I haven't had any premonitions. I think I'm always right. Um, <laughs> well, we'll ask your wife about that. <laughs> well, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> because according to my wife, I'm always wrong. I'm always in trouble. So, yeah, no, I, I haven't had any. Um, I don't know. I haven't had any extra abilities or, or visions or anything like that. It um it was the the one time sort of thing. I know I know of several people that have had that and they continue to. Um good friend John Scott, he he's had he's had that and, and he continues to. Um but um yeah personally no. So that's sorry okay. I'm a bit boring. No, that's okay. You know not everybody does. No. When you recall that experience, do you think it is hyper real, like it's more real than even our life here on Earth? Almost like our life here on Earth is a dream compared to that? Sometimes I think I'm in the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, having that experience indicated to me that I'm not a religious person. Um, I... I'm more a Star Wars. I believe there's a force type thing, you know. I mean, but um, it told me that this isn't, it's not the be all and end all here. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, when the time is right, it's a better experience. Um, Raymond didn't have wings, wasn't an angel, wasn't, you know, there was nothing religious or there was nothing about that except me and Raymond. That was it. That was a pair of us there. And it was just him saying no. So obviously, like I said, it was obviously wasn't my time. And, but it does tell me that when the time does come, hopefully he'll be there waiting for me. So um, greeting me. So, yeah. Since the experience, do you fear death Less or even not at all? Um, I don't look forward to death, but I don't particularly fear it. When I say I don't fear it, that doesn't mean to say I'll take unreasonable risks. Um, I'll do whatever I can to stay alive, I think. But I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm of the opinion now that when that occurs, there could be so much better things going on afterwards. I mean, well, the first better thing is I get to see my brother again. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not like I I have no fear of death whatsoever. I I, I don't look I, I don't the idea of it doesn't appeal to me, but the um, the thought is always in the back of my mind that when that time does come, it's not going to be as bad as, as, as just being black or, you know, just not, things aren't just going to stop. 
there is something more i'm hoping i'm hoping that's what it is i'm hoping it just wasn't drugs making me have dreams but it certainly didn't seem like that mm -hmm. well you've been in another coma i thought with your second accident or something at least with your second accident you had hallucinations from the medication and yeah. if you did wasn't that experience of hallucinations completely different from your nde the with the when i had the second accident like i said there was internal injuries and and and, and i had a i had an, an embolism which if it travels to the wrong part of your body it just kills you instantly so i was traveling through my blood so i was under constant supervision but at this point in time they were giving me morphine and i was in a medically induced coma for a short while only for i think it was only for a matter of days and then when i came when when i started to recover from that they gave me a pump or a button which i pressed and it would give me a shot of another shot of medication but the kind of dreams that i had were nightmare they're like freddy krueger things you know i mean they were um well one instance was um i was I, I didn't know where i was i didn't know why i was in the hospital and my legs were up in traction and i started i don't know what the what the dream was that time um but i i thought i'd been tied up and was hanging upside down from a tree i didn't know why i was like that so i managed to undo the traction from one leg i couldn't get it from the other leg and as i swung my leg out my broken leg out of the bed luckily a nurse caught my leg and lifted me back in and put me back in the bed and then that kind of i don't remember much after that on another occasion i imagined i was in um i was in the deep south or something in back in another time another era and um i was on a plantation of some sort and i'd been called to the big house and um i was sat at the table and it's a horrible thing horrible recollection but i had a cage over my head and they said okay you have to answer these questions and for every answer you get wrong you'll be shot once <laughs> and then just as they asked the first question I, I i woke up so those those hallucinations i begged i said please stop giving me this medication and um so they they tried an epidural which didn't work properly it just felt like my spine was directly on the bed um and then they put me on pethidine which sadly um due to a, a doctor error with my leg um over one weekend i got i ended up addicted to pethidine mm. for a short while and then they got me off it again they 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 got me off it almost cold, cold turkey the following week and then released me from hospital <laughs> and i'm at home shaking but but yeah um that, that that was another thing because I was very always very critical of people who were addicted to to to, to 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 narcotics, and then when I found that you could also get addicted to narcotics from 
the mistake of someone else, which is what occurred, um, I had a different opinion in understanding that not everybody makes a choice to do that and some people end up put in that position, which I was for a short while. To this day, when you go to hospital here now, they don't do, they don't, they don't provide pethidine. They have different drugs because of people getting addicted. But when they did, if I ever went into a hospital, I could smell it. Hmm. Just sitting in the waiting room, I could smell it. And my pain levels would go through the roof until they gave me some pethidine. It was, it was, it was a really strange really strange feeling was to was to be in that position where I'd just go to hospital for for something and I'd be and, and I, could, I could just feel it it was just really strange it was horrible so at any time I could go straight back I could have gone straight back to it I haven't they haven't given me pethidine in decades now so um but yeah it's um not pleasant being on being addicted to anything I don't believe after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Yeah. Are you open to that? Oh, yeah. I have no problems. Um, um, I've actually talked to people. I've been asked to help people who suffer chronic pain and anxiety or, or, or depression. And, and I've had people say, oh, you've come a long way. Can you talk to my friend? Somewhere, I can't remember where it is, it's a handwritten, I've got a handwritten paper I wrote a couple of pages on um, on pain mm -hmm. and how to relieve pain and, and how to, and, and, and the causes of pain. And I mean, I studied phantom pain for some time and um, have looked at, a whole host of different theories as to what causes phantom pain. Um, right from the early days when there's a thing called Descartes' theory of pain, which is when you step on something and it hurts, it takes time for that message to re reach your brain mm -hmm. and then you get it. And then there are other things called the neural matrix and, um, and mirror imagery and things like that. And they're all different things that you can, can look at to, to, um, Understanding your pain is a double-edged sword because I understand what's causing my pain and why it's there. Um, and that helps me to help try and manage it. But it also makes me realise, but also in the back of my mind, I know that the injuries I've got are permanent and the likelihood that I'm going to you know, minimise that pain is not fantastic or get rid of that pain is, is are not great so like i said it's a double-edged sword I, I don't have I, I don't live under the impression that i'm going to be rid of pain unfortunately in the back of my mind it feels like i'm always going to have pain and that's part of my problem if i could find a way to let go of that and referring back to our mutual friend john scott he tried to help me learn to let go of that because there's a number of other things involved in my recollection. Like I, I know the name of the man who caused the accident, 
and it's stuck in my mind forever and I can't let go of that. And I've, I've had trouble forgiving the man and, and, and for what he did. Um, and the what, what occurred was recorded as an accident, an unavoidable accident, but knowing what I know about towing trailers and things told, tells me that short of someone knocking his trailer, he was doing something wrong. So it's been hard for me to let go of that. And, and I've been told by more than just John that by learning how to let go of that may help me reduce or remove my pain. Mm. So that's, that's um, I think that's part of life, isn't it? Learning to forgive. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you can, al- I can almost forget, but it's, it's been very hard for me to forgive. So um, maybe, maybe one day I will achieve that. And I'll get to another state. I'll get to another level, maybe. But I haven't got there yet, unfortunately. So if people do want to reach out to you, should they do it on Facebook? Yeah, or, or, or they can send me a messenger request and um, um, or Facebook. They can, you know, try and friend me. But if they do, just put a note to say what it's about because... Um, Sometimes you get friend requests from people and, 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 and sometimes they'll send a thing saying, hi, I'm so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Other people, you think, oh, do I know them? No, I don't. I'm just So I've got a, a page full of people who I'm not really sure I even know right. who have made requests. And some people, they reach out to, to friends of friends because they want more friends on Facebook. They want that big number of friends. So I... I I don't accept everyone, but if someone sends me a, a messenger, well, see, if someone sends me a messenger request, um, that would probably be the easiest way to do it. Um, I don't know if I'm hard to find. Um, I don't know. I don't if you can just search on someone, but because I'm sure there's more than one Colin Scott, that's a problem. But if it's if it's Perth or Jinjin, if it's Western Australia, and my and my and my profile picture is me with my grandkids and my wife, so that's a nice picture to look at. So uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 happy for people to um to ask me questions if they want to. Yeah, I didn't ask you before we started, but do you have anything that you want to share, like a book or a website or anything? Um. I did start many years ago um, writing my story and I never finished it because it just seemed to be going on forever. And it's in a folder somewhere, handwritten. It's not even, it was prior to me using, well, when I, when I, after I lost my arm, I used to be an electrician. I couldn't do that anymore. So I got in, I, I became IT. Um, consultant in the end Um, but this was previous to that that I wrote this stuff down so I don't have anything um, to share as such but talking to you and and touching getting in touch with John again may inspire me to revisit that find pull that information out and 
and write stuff down. I have, I did write about my experience once and posted on John's page, I believe, but that was some time ago when I first, he first learned that I did have an NDE. So, um, so no, I don't have anything um, that I can share with anyone that, that, that discusses that. Again, now that you now that we're talking, um, I've not done as much of my meditation and soul searching as I should in recent times. Um, there's just been so much going on, which is part of life. Um, but I have got a I have got a, a, a small a, a, a small folder somewhere with my um, story and my um, paper that I wrote on pain management. So I'm, I may try and dig them out and do something um, to try and share that. All right, Colin, before we finish up, do you think you can leave us with one last positive message? A positive message? Well, I think the most positive thing that, like I said earlier, that I, that I um, felt from my experience, my NDE was I now firmly believe that this world is not the end. There is, there is more. There's something beyond this world. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, but my brother told me I wasn't ready to experience it yet. Maybe I wasn't mature enough at the time. I don't know. Um, but because of that, it's not something I talk about lots or, or preach or anything like that. But in the back of my mind, I do think to myself, there's something. There's something there. Um, this is not the end of life. There is... I believe something probably better after this. I'm hoping it's going to be better for me. I'm hoping he's telling me you're not ready to come down here with me. So, <laughs> or I'm hoping it was you're not ready to come up there with me or whatever, you know. So, yeah. Colin, thank you for coming on and being our guest today. I really appreciate you and I wish you a great rest of your day over there. Thank you very much, Jeff, and thank you very much again for inviting me. It was good fun. It was really good, and it made me think again, so it's been good. Oh, that's great.